Hello, and welcome to Get Wrecked, our special Honda Days episode. This season of giving, look at all the deals, the doorbuster deals. Wow, there goes our door, it's been busted. Buy us a new door, I'm Stephen Falgu, one of your hosts. And I am your other host, Don Falgu. Get Wrecked is our podcast where we get together, two siblings, and we recommend a piece of media to each other, be it an album, a game, a film, or whatever. And in the next episode, we get back together and discuss each other's recommendations. And of course, today, it is a happy Honda Days season of Lexus season of giving oh, toyota wait. <gasps> Do you hear that? Ding, 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 ding. Wow, what is that? What is it? Ding, ding, ding. It's the Jingle Bells. Wow. Oh, my God. Ding, 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 ding. It's a fire alarm. Oh, my God. <laughs> we need to get out of the Can house. We, just... we need to get out of the studio. Wait, what about this? Oh, you know how in the Jingle Bell song, sometimes there's a whip? I've never heard a Jingle Bell <laughs> song with a whip. Yeah, <laughs> well, sometimes. Like whipping, whipping sometimes the, like, and then it goes, whoosh. <laughs> Is it like the reindeer? Like Sam You're just whipping, whipping the, the bells, oh, you know? Of course, yeah, whipping the bells. Whip those bells. That's true, yeah. Whipping nay nay, as yeah, it were, whip, as the kids are whip, doing. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, the whipping and the nay nay, because the neighing is the reindeer. Right, after they've been whipped. It's, yeah, the, the whip and then the nay nay, right? <laughs> and of course, there will be much whipping and nay naying on this episode of Get Wrecked, so I hope you're excited for that. Yes, our special holiday episode. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We hope you have a wonderful holiday season we wanted to get this one in right before the big holiday of the season so we hope you enjoy and um we have some special recommendations for today's episode because it is the of course honda days the toyota-thon and the lexus season of giving right of course of course um yeah just uh, some winter recommendations not 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 quite as uh, uniformly uh holidays as um as before, but I think it's close. And uh, I think with that, we should get into what I recommended to you last time, Stephen. Which was blue. I have to turn away from the microphone when I do anything, so if there's ever an awkward silence, that's probably why. Um, and anyway, uh, Blue is the 1971 album by singer-songwriter Joni Mitchell. I recommended it because I feel that it's very wintry, and there's also a Christmas-ish song on it. Um, and uh, I will let you get into that first. Which is funny because I think we should start there. I, um, we'll talk about this album, obviously, in more detail than that. But because it is, of course, the Audi drive to die event. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever they call it. Um, uh, we should probably talk about the one song on this album that, for whatever reason, has become a Christmas song. It's been covered quite a bit, too. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, not, wait, not Kenny Loggins. Um, hold on, it'll come to me. Who's the one that was on Apple Records? <laughs> James Taylor. James Taylor. I'm yeah. pretty sure, didn't James Taylor and Joni Mitchell date for a while, or they were married or something? I believe so. Well, James Taylor, I know, has a cover of this song, too. So the song we're talking about is River, um, and... It does mention Christmas. Christmas is a part of the song. However, would I explicitly call it a Christmas song? Maybe not, but it has become sort of a Christmas song through covers and, and the original as well. Um, it's a banger. 
Just want to get that out there right there, right now. It's just, it's a banger. But again, is it a Christmas song? I don't know. Maybe not. I think what's interesting about it as a Christmas song, and it's, I don't think that there's really any credence lent to this as it's played on the radio, but it really showcases or enlightens like a different mood for the holiday season, which I know there are quite a number of people who oftentimes feel some depression or blueness in this season, especially, you know, because of the stress of winter and the holidays. A lot of times that can create opportunities for breakups or just general downtrodden, you know, feelings. And what's so weird about River as a Christmas song that gets played on the radio is it like it it illuminates those feelings of the holiday uh, because it is quite a sad song, truly. I mean, it's not the only sad song that gets played on the radio for Christmas, but it is one of those where it's like there's this winter melancholy associated with the track that one is just phenomenal but two i think it's just like a really interesting thing to play on the radio also it feels like it uses christmas more as a contrasting element to the sadness and the breakup of the track considering that you know it opens with an interpolation of jingle bells which i guess is the one element that you could say is the most without the whip um I would love to hear a version with the whip, though. I think that would really enhance the song. But um, I guess that's the one thing you could say is the most Christmas song about it, other than just the lyrical topic, is that, you know, it's borrowing from a song of that genre in that section. But that's more, like, to contrast with the verses that immediately follow, that it's Christmas, you would expect that she should be happy, but she isn't because of this breakup. And that's the way the song sort of introduces itself lyrically is that it opens with a mention of Christmas, but it immediately starts to break that down. So it's like, it's a Christmas song in the way that there are some of those like sort of Christmas movies, you know, where it's like a movie that takes place in Christmas, but isn't really like, doesn't really follow any other genre conventions. It's sort of like that. Um, Yeah. Although I will say, you know, to your point, I feel like it's more closely tied to, the Christmas holiday or at least the holiday season than some of those movies are where it's like a movie that just takes place during Christmas time. Now, a lot of times there's a thematic element there as well, right? But like this, you know, to your earlier point, I feel like there's a contrast or some sort of juxtaposition in the use of Christmas and the holidays and the nostalgia and like what the track is actually about that ties it a little closer to the holiday than some of those movies may. That's true. Yeah. And also like it, you're right that there are Christmas songs that can be moodier or sadder than other ones. Um, And I even think of like some of the, like, the really old Christmas songs, like some of the hymns and stuff like that, which, I mean, they have this kind of solemnness to them, you know, that, like, 50s trad pop kind of Christmas songs don't really have. Um, but this is just on a whole nother level, because I don't, I don't feel like this is just the saddest Christmas song. This is, like, one of the saddest songs, <laughs> like, that you, you ever hear. And it's like... Um, but I think, moving on from that, you know, the song 
maybe the only Christmas song here, but I think its inclusion in the album is very deliberate because I think a lot of the the, the mood and, and imagery that she brings up on this album is like very wintry, you know, um, maybe not like explicitly Christmas, but this is like a winter depression album. It's not just like an album about her being sad. It's like, you know, it has that chilly, cold kind of um, feel throughout. And of course, she, she mentions things related to um, winter, like on Little Green and, and stuff like that. Um, the whole album is basically a breakup album. Um, and River is really the, the lowest low point, you know, of that breakup. It's the one that most clearly ex- explains the breakup. But it's all throughout all of the rest of the tracks. And also it's kind of the main through line that the song, that the, um, the album ends up wrapping up on too, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah. And I, I think that's a perfect segue. It's like this track is a microcosm for really what I feel like this entire album does so well. And generally what Joni Mitchell does so well in her entire career, she is so clearly a lyricist and a poet and it's incredible to really dive deep into every single one of these tracks lyrically because there's so much to unpack. I mean, line by line, there are little poetic moments or pieces that you can kind of digest. And um, River has that as well, just like thinking about like the metaphor of having a river that you could just skate away on, like, you know, an infinite river that you could just take your emotions out of because you can just go forever, basically. Like, those moments appear all throughout this track list, and it's really beautiful. I'll say also, like, Joni Mitchell has this such a unique quality. Like, there is no one that performs like her. I I, I think of it like there are are a number of singer-songwriters in you know, history going back to kind of like the start of singer songwriters. There are a number of them that have just this very unique aspect that makes them inherently them. And you can't really replicate it. Joni Mitchell is one of those like Bjork is one of those. Like there are these people who just have an identity and they own that identity and it is incredible. And this track I think really highlights Joni Mitchell's identity. Every single one of these tracks it's, I don't, I don't know, I describe it as like, not only do I feel like you get kind of a winter depression in this album, but you kind of get almost like a hominess or a nostalgia. Like the just the way that she performs these tracks, it just like is so uplifting and depressing at the same time. There's like, there's so much raw energy and emotion in everything that she performs. And it's especially accentuated by the fact that like her performance is so all over the place. In the best way. But, like, she'll go from, like, super low lows to super high highs, like, over and over again, just, like, nonstop. And it brings you on this ride that's, first of all, very fun, but also just really makes you feel every single one of the emotions that she's trying to convey. Because it is incredibly raw. In fact, I would say, like, some of it feels so raw that it's almost like, I don't even know if they cut or edited it really it was just like her kind of like almost bob dylan like just kind of like performing and they just recorded it um but it that just makes it so much better well also like there's a lot of complexity to 
to um the songwriting too like melodically some of these songs are very intricate like all i want the guitar work on that or um my old man that that's like the best example of the her vocal acrobatics that you were talking about where it's just so um that in the title track i think it's just so like up and down and all over the place and and what what's amazing about it though is that like she does it so seamlessly that you don't even notice all that craft you know and that's why it feels so raw you don't you don't notice how truly intricate like these songs are at their core and then some of them aren't but the ones that aren't do so with purpose like i think of like little green you know it's a very sparse song but it it has a reason to be um and even then some of the the melt the melodic lines on there are pretty unique um i mean musically it's it's great but it really is her her lyrics and performance that ties all of that together you know um and also as for the emotion of it it's like yeah she brings out a lot of that in her voice but also just like there are songs here which really do seem to switch between being happy and sad like on a dime uh, my old man another one where it's like the verses are are about her love for this this man and it's so pure and sweet but then like the um there are these two bridges or i don't know which song there's so many song sections in this track but like there are these bridges where she describes what it's like to be without him and it's like this immediate flip you know of those feelings um and i think like that's also um a case of you is another good example where it's like constantly pitting the uh the happiness of the love that she had for him against him now being gone or songs where um like this flight tonight for example where she um she's suddenly realizing she wants to go back in in this song like as she's landing in a plane having flown away from him um and there's a lot of moments like that where it's it's complex in the way that human emotions are complex you know it's so um she's she's indecisive on this album um she's conversing with herself about what this breakup means for her um and looking back on memories like in, in the song carrie or california with this new kind of bittersweet perspective that i think makes um the album really interesting yeah and you you mentioned california i did want to mention that like pretty much all of the tracks off of this album that ended up getting more radio play than others are incredible tracks too i mean river we talked about california is one of those as well that ends up getting a lot of radio play uh, even all i want which is the title track which is like su- just such a good track i mean like this thing starts with such a bang honestly like the album kicks off and it is incredible how quickly you are just encompassed and enthralled by what this album has to offer and i mean it just takes you on that ride the entire track list through but a lot of that is thanks to the fact that all i want is like such an incredible track i mean you mentioned it a little bit like not just in Joni mitchell's performance which in that track is like one of the greatest performances that she has but also like everything else on top of that is just incredible um it's hard to to look at this album and like find critiques honestly because it is such a unique experience even all these years later i mean it's crazy how much this is still such a singular and all-encompassing piece for her that it's hard to really pinpoint a place where i can find critique because a lot of the critique that i have is like around things that 
she then like takes and captures so well like i mentioned like some of it feels so raw to the point where it almost is like was this even cut or edited but i don't find that as a critique i find that as like a piece of joy in this album like so much of that where it might feel i don't know if unpolished is the right word it's like it's unpolished in a very in a way that is so particular and enthralling that it even those moments are really great well it's personable i think you know it's intimate you, you, it captures the feeling that she's going for and i think the fact that it being of it being raw enhances it a lot because you you know you can hear a lot of songs about these topics and they just feel like songs but i think that um Joni really gets you in her headspace in this album it just feels very very real and um <clears throat> for as far as her whole discography is concerned i think one thing that makes this album really stand out is that all throughout her career she wrote songs about heartbreak and breakups and i mean her her personal life was quite chaotic um, in regards to that, and, you know, and it comes across in, in, in a lot of her work and, and parking lots, right? And, and well, big if yes, and um, yes, well, and but, but those themes come together on this album in I think the most real and the most succinct way. And like, um, I think the closing track is the perfect example because the closing track she breaks down all of the things that she talks about in a lot of her songs in like such a she she breaks it down to like its 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 smallest levels by revealing two different perspectives on love that she and this other man who she used to know have or they're conversing with each other about like you know love and heartbreak and he thinks that it isn't real and she thinks that it is and she reveals his lifestyle which is you know a man settling down with somebody he doesn't really love and care about. So of course he would think that, right? But you, you get the impression at the end of the song that she also is just really desperately trying to hold on to something that she's not even really sure about either. And that's like a moment for her, that, that song in particular, which I think really captures like everything that makes so much of her music great. Like what's amazing about her lyrics is that they can be so poetic and so, like, um, verbose, but at the same time, so readable. Like, she's not, she's not distant. She's not difficult to get through. She isn't like, you know, a contemporary like Bob Dylan, who, in order to understand some of his songs, you have to, like, really, really read into the lyrics and understand all of the allegories and references to other things. She doesn't write like that. You know, like, her writing is amazing, but it's it's conversational and it's understandable to, to like anybody. You just get what she's talking about. And I think that makes her like stand out so much as a singer songwriter also is just in, in how personable and yet like poetic and studied her lyrics actually are. So I think that's all I have to say about this one. Should we wrap it up? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is just an incredible album. Truly. I mean, I might give it a 10, honestly. Like, I just love this thing so much. It, From start to finish, it's just such a, such a fun ride. And as you mentioned, it's like, because it is so personable, it's very easy to attach yourself to and to just listen to and put on. And I mean, it's pretty much a breezy listen, honestly, too. Um, but there's a lot to unpack 
even if it is kind of like not necessarily surface level, but as you mentioned, like you don't have to like read into a whole bunch. But even with that, there is still a lot to unpack. I definitely recommend this. I think that it's a great album. Is it a great Christmas album? <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> it is a very great album. I would listen to it any time of the year, I guess. So sure. Yeah, I, I would. I would also give it a ten. This album's really, really touched me these last two winter seasons, and it isn't really. It's not that it's a good Christmas album because I. I first of all. It's probably not a good idea to put yourself in her headspace on Christmas Day or whatever, but as like a winter album, if if these are the feelings you find yourself feeling in winter, as Stephen was talking about early on, like this is such a perfect companion piece to that kind of feeling. Um, And I really do think for me anyway, having first heard this album last winter time and really resonating with it, you know, I, I think that that really is the best time to listen to it. If I listen to it any other time of the year, it just makes me think of it being cold outside and it being cold outside really does like enhance this album genuinely. Um, In the same way that like you wouldn't listen to Christmas songs outside of Christmas. I don't think this is as, um, this is um, as exclusive. Yeah. Like I don't think you have to wait till after Thanksgiving. Yeah. No, (laughs) no, it's not as exclusive, but I I just think it fits that time so well. And that's kind of why I chose it. But yeah, this is, this is now easily one of my top favorite albums. I think, um, you know, singer songwriter albums for sure. This may actually be the best singer songwriter album of all time. It may be the most concise uh, and great example of the genre. And of course, one of the most influential also. So it's a must listen. I definitely recommend it. And I recommend you try it in winter. Uh, you know, this winter, if you haven't heard it, January, whatever, give it a listen. I think listening to it like outside when it's cold is just, it's just perfect. Yeah. Maybe our, maybe the award that we should denote an album or piece of media during this rec season, the, um, of course, Honda days, Toyotathon rec season is do we think that it would be played in a Toyota dealership? No. Oh, well, then. Uh, uh-oh. I guess our recommendation All is right. canceled. Throw it out the window. It's not good enough. And with that, let's talk about something you might actually find at a Toyota dealership. Stephen, would you like to introduce what you recommended to me last time? Yes. Yeah, so I last time recommended to you the 1983 film A Christmas Story. It has become a cult Christmas classic. It follows... A story of an adult recalling a memory that they had as a child uh, where they really want a BB gun. (laughs) Some other stuff happens too, but I mean, ultimately. Mostly the BB gun and the, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so first of all, contextually, I've heard this. Maybe you know this. Is it true that this film gathered cult status because it constantly got played on tv that's what i've heard i've heard that this movie just gets played nonstop on TV. yeah that's one of the things i heard i heard that basically it got played a ton on like not not local channels but kind of like uhf local style channels and they kind of got a cult uh, following off of that and then it also kind of like was a movie that was played a lot when satellite was really starting to kick off. So, you know, more and more people started to watch it, but I've heard that before. I don't know if it's true or not. Yeah. Well, I think it would make sense. It is like a very offbeat Christmas movie. um, Because it, 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 
it follows certain aspects of like the Christmas genre for films. I mean, you aside from it obviously taking place during Christmas, but it is about gift giving and like finding a gift for somebody and things like that. But like filtered through this, a person remembering their childhood. Um, it's not a movie about Santa. It's not a movie about like, oh, I don't believe in Santa. And then Santa shows up or whatever, which is like most Christmas movies. Yeah, and it's not even really a movie that has like a Christmas message. <laughs> no, it isn't. In fact, it's actually rather mean-spirited overall. It's it's a pretty mean movie in some ways. Um, but yeah, I, I believe this film is... Ba- I don't remember who exactly, which author exactly, but it's based on memoirs from some author, I think. Um and I don't know anything else besides that, but the film frames itself in that way. Like you have this this narration constantly that's basically like a memoir. Um, I don't know if it's ripped directly from those memoirs or if it was made at whatever, but it makes it feel like that. And you watch the memory unfold. And the movie has a very slice of life um, quality to it. it. It is not a movie with big stakes in the slightest. The biggest stake is there's a bully who is a bully sometimes and the kid wants a gun like a bb gun um and uh and that's really it the the con the conflict is like it's so minute and like situational the the whole point of watching the movie is really just for the kind of silly situations that happen and the funny framing of watching this kind of weird kid um emphasis on kind of he's not a very weird kid he's just mildly and his family is like pretty normal but like a slightly quirky thing happens with a risque lamp or whatever you know everything's so like minimal in that way it's honestly a pretty passive movie um but i think like it really is just a at the end of the day it is it is a comedy movie it's like one of these cult comedies where it feels like there are scenes that are made so that they can be quoted. And of course this movie is quoted, you know, it's like, um, and yeah, I mean, I like the movie. Um, I think that it does a good job showing or like representing what it's like to reminisce about Christmas and like your family, that there's this kind of like, this family, it's not exactly like the best family. The memories aren't really that great. It's just like fine, but it's like this 50s family and a kind of everyman dad who cusses or whatever, and like a mom who reminds you of your mom. It's a very like, you know, um, and it does a good job capturing those memories and what they're kind of like, um, but also showing how silly they are, like, in the moment. Um, and and I'll stop there for now, but... Yeah, I would... You know, when I think about this movie, I put it in reference or in contrast to some of the other Christmas comedies. So, like, I think, like, A Christmas Vacation or something like that. Or what right? about Elf's, Will Ferrell's Elf or, Will Well, Ferrell's no, no, Elf. that's a perfect film. Okay. So we we don't put that in the well, conversation. I, I wasn't here. saying it wasn't. Um, I was just bringing it up. Because I always bring so, it up. So, like, those Christmas comedies, they take Christmas and, like, push it to its extreme. And 
make a like complete mockery of a lot of events that I feel like are in a lot of ways like too out there, right? Like the situation has been taken and then dragged out to its maximum and then that's the humor. Whereas this, as you mentioned, this movie is like a microcosm of what like adult nostalgia would be if you were to actually put yourself back in the actual events that happen and you're watching these event un- events unfold and there are some situations that are comedic but they're not pushed to an extreme right you don't have like the big oh i'm gonna put the lights all over the house and oh i fell off the house what happened and my lights are bigger than yours and that sort of thing you have like these little moments that are like that are funny and that you know they do have comedic element but also you know you get this contrast of like okay if you know, I have a, I have this nostalgia for this event in my past, but then it's like, okay, actually watching that event unfold, it's like, oh, well, actually kind of all sucked. <laughs> so um, I like that element about this movie. It's like a Christmas comedy that it's not just like this extreme, like take every funny Christmas moment and push it to its max. And it's just like a complete mockery of the event. It's like you have all these really funny small moments that or just, you know, human moments, um, like the leg lamp or like the kid getting his tongue stuck to a pole or whatever. Yeah. The tongue, st- it's funny because the tongue stuck to the pole might honestly be the most out there thing that happens. Yeah. Um, um, or when he shoots his eye out, like everyone told him he that's would. That's true. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I also think it being set in the 50s, well, I guess it isn't. 50s or 40s. I guess it isn't really set then because actually it's set in the time period where the person's writing about it, but whatever. The kid was alive in the 50s or 40s. This is like a 50s or 40s Christmas. You have the radio. I think that kind of helps because you get that like, you know, a, a slight twist on the traditional like 50s family. Like you kind of see how goofy it is. But yeah, it it's not like... I don't know. I feel like the movie... um threads the the needle really well there between being like very silly and being really straight it's it's in the middle like the presentation of the film is quite cartoonish there's a lot of like um there's there's a lot of those uh i don't know what you call this specifically but it's the transition you see in like looney tunes or whatever where a circle descends upon the screen or Mm -hmm. like you know there's a lot of that in this movie, which makes me think of like a cartoon and also some of the bully or Star Wars or Star Wars. <laughs> well, Star Wars loves wipes. Okay. Um, um, but yeah. Um, or like the, some of the bully scenes or the stuff with like his little brother tied up really um, tight in a bunch of jackets, like that kind of stuff feels kind of cartoonish, but it's still like really believable and it feels like something that actually could happen. It's not like amped up to, a crazy level of silliness. But you know, I kind of Yeah, and I would say one other thing, it's like I find it funny that a lot of those things which, you know, in the movie are played for comedic effect have become like these iconic staples of like Christmas nostalgia like the leg lamp or like him in a bunny pajama, which like isn't that crazy, but for whatever reason they've become like these cult icons 
And of course, the the Santa scene. Right. I feel like that Santa scene was probably the most influential thing in this movie because I feel like I've seen other Christmas movies that do a really similar joke to that, and I don't know if I can think of any that came before this movie. Like the idea of like no. a pissed off mall Santa or whatever. Um, and you know, it, it's funny in the movie. There's lots of funny stuff in the movie, um, but it, it's very quaint, and I do like that about it. I think my like that's also. Pr- probably where my biggest complaint lies at the same time because i feel like this movie is maybe kind of lacking in that stuff also like in some kind of big laugh or something for me it doesn't really get that like it's a silly cute quaint film but stylistically it can be a bit boring like even though i feel like they're going for the you know slightly sillier angle and and stuff it's like it's not a very unique uniquely presented Christmas movie. I think the narration was what they were going for there to, to give it a bit of its own like flair. But the narration sometimes honestly takes away from the movie. And sometimes the narr there are like moments in the movie where the narrator will just like read something that's being shown to you on the screen. And like, I get it, but I also wish that the narrator weren't saying it. I believe there's one point where somebody writes, you'll shoot your eye out like on a piece of paper and the camera zooms into it and then the narrator says it. And it's like that to me is a little bit like a little bit poor. Um, And there's other things like that. Like I think the one main through line of the film being that the kid wants a BB gun leaves a couple of the other like B plots that happen to feel a little bit scattershot at times. Like there's the stuff with the bully, which ends up becoming kind of a major thing, but it certainly isn't really built up to be that until one particular scene. Like the movie's slice of life almost to a fault where things kind of just happen and land where they will. And it makes the entire movie feel a little bit like, I don't know, a little bit small, like a little bit too small, I guess. Yeah, this is definitely a movie that at most makes you go, huh. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or whoosh, maybe. <laughs> it makes me it makes me do the whip and yeah. the name. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I def- I definitely agree with everything you said. Like honestly, the plot is not like that's period. It is not. <laughs> there is not one. I mean, there's events that happen, and those events are alluded to multiple times and then there's a final event and then that's the movie movie's over after that and like i think i like slice of life like i actually like that most of the time i i like when things just happen in a character's life or whatever which is what this movie is but i guess there's something about it maybe it's the fact that it's a comedy and it's not that funny like maybe that's what's making it feel kind of small to me because I guess like like I said like I kind of wish there were more big laughs in the movie and I think a lot of it honestly is just that it's so like known about now that I don't know if it's possible to like really find this movie hilarious anymore because you, you you pretty much know it like the first time I saw this movie I felt like I'd already watched it before <laughs> like it was like you know because so many of these things are just super well known but also like so many christmas movies that i think of after this like christmas comedies or whatever feel like they just take things from this and i guess that you know speaks to its quality but it it does make it a little bit harder to watch now maybe yeah i I will agree with that i'll say like 
Christmas Story now feels like it has this weird place in history where it is something that I think people just kind of watch, but I don't know if anyone really likes it that much anymore. <laughs> like I think people's dads do. It's like a nostalgic Christmas movie, but it doesn't really elicit much emotion, honestly. It just kind of is a film, and it's fun to watch. I mean, you know, I'll go back to it every now and then. Obviously, you went back to it for the podcast. Um, and, you know, every now and then it's like a fun little reminder that as you mentioned the santa scene probably is the standout scene and when he like has to he goes down the slide or whatever and that's pretty funny um and some other things are just really memorable but like those things are memorable in that it's fun to recall them but not necessarily memorable in that it's fun to watch the movie again <laughs> you'll laugh harder when somebody references one of the right exactly you watch the movie yeah it's like napoleon dynamite where it's like Napoleon Dynamite after a while didn't become a film anymore. It just became something that people referenced all the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone's watched Napoleon Dynamite since. There's a lot of like Or even Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone one. watches Austin Powers anymore. There's a lot of I feel like that's the 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 trademark of a cult film though, right? Is always like yeah. one of these movies that just people just know in their heads and they reference and people are like, ha, you referenced that or what you know. Yeah. That's always and there is something beautiful about that. But, you know, honestly, as a I just wonder, film... I just wonder, are there, like, screenings like they do for Rocky Horror Picture Show, but right. with Christmas Story where, like, everyone's yelling that he'll shoot his eye out and wearing bunny pajamas or something? I think that's what every TV showing of the movie is. Okay. At, oh, okay. at your house. Oh, well, so everyone comes together yeah, and puts bunny pajamas. Yeah, gets together watching on the TV screen. We're watching Christmas Story. Yeah, honestly. Got the on the leg lamp. Yeah, like, you know. and, and it's like, nobody wants to, but everyone, it's like a contractual <laughs> obligation. When you sign up for DirecTV, they're like, you have to watch Christmas Story every year. Mm-hmm. And so we all do. Christmas mm. Story Marathon, 24 yeah. <laughs> hours, Christmas Story nonstop. No, yeah, I mean, well, it's. I don't want to criticize the film for, um, I mean, honestly, being influential. I guess what we're talking about is the movie having been influential. And it's like, I'm not going to criticize it for that. I suppose, like... When it comes to cult films, though, like highly referenced movies, I don't even really think this is that great of a film. You know, like I think it it has little hints of greatness in it. And that's kind of all I can say about it. But um, but I do like it. And and I, I'm ready to wrap it up if you are. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, I would give this movie a six. Um because I mean, pretty much for the same reason that Steven mentioned, which is that, you know, it's a fun movie when it's on, but it's not necessarily a movie that anybody really wants to watch. They kind of just are forced to buy big satellite, you know, <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you don't want big satellite coming knocking on your door. Cause you forgot to watch a Christmas story. Yeah. That's all we'll say. But like, but you know, it is, it is like a good movie. It is a good movie. Like it is a good movie and it's, it's well constructed. I just think it's kind of, boring also in its construction it's it's a little it's very plain and i think like one thing that separates cult films from a lot of other movies is often these movies have like a really high like stylistic factor to them and this movie only sort of does um like there are things in it that feel stylish but the overall presentation is pretty dry and that's kind of i think where i'm missing the fun in it even though I do think it is fun. It's like, I think this movie needed a 
it, it just, I don't know. It just needed more directorial style. It's weird to say that about a slice of life, but I think slice of life sort of coming of age, this isn't a coming of age movie, but whatever, like movies of that sort, more quaint films, they need a lot of style because they, they, they end up relying on that. And this just doesn't really have it. It's mostly in the script, which is good. And the performances, which are great. We didn't even mention, I think that the child actors in this are fantastic, you know, compared to like most movies with child actors. I think they do a great job. Everybody does a great job. And, 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 I, and the director clearly has some eye for comedic style because the way he gets his actors to act, it, it is like a little bit amped up and a little bit silly, but it's like, it's just the right amount and it's realistic. So there's a lot of things about it to appreciate, but I just don't think it's like that special of a movie really. Um, and, uh, I don't see why there's any reason to recommend it or not recommend it. You will be forced to watch it next year. You will not have a choice. Uh, you have no choice. Sit and watch a Christmas story. Um, and happy Honda days. Yeah, honestly, turn your TV on. It's on right now. <laughs> it's behind you the whole time. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think I, I'm probably more around the like a seven. You know, not much more, but... Um, I, like I said, I, I like it. I mean, it's a fun movie. I don't think I'd watch it all the time. Like, it's not one that I particularly, like, want to go back to all the time. But every now and then I'll, I'll you know, every now and then, as in, like, every now and then winter time, I'll put it on. And, all 24 hours of Christmas Day. Right, exactly. And it's, you know, it's it's funny, but a lot of it's played out. So it's, like, hard to even find some of the comedy in some of the, the moments. But it is an enjoyable ride. And do I recommend it? Again, I mean, it doesn't matter whether I recommend it or not. You must watch it. You don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. Ralphie is coming for you. You better watch out. That's what they say about Santa Claus and <laughs> Ralphie. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> and both of them, sleeping. you do not want to know their wrath. Yeah, he will shoot your eye out. <laughs> and I think we should move on to our recommendations. Um, yeah, let's do it. So I will go first. So as at the um, Honda Days uh, season, the Lexus season of giving, the Toyota-thon season, and the Audi I Want to Die season or right. whatever. Go get your um, doors busted. Um, as that season comes to a close, a new season arrives, and that is the New Year's. And as with every New Year's, if it's a new year, it's a new me. And uh, Stephen and I always hold true to that uh, perspective and we we I don't know if we I believe we mentioned this last time every year so many new uses honestly it's crazy to think about yes our entire molecular structure just inverts <laughs> we become a new being and uh, this always happens um, and it's quite amazing because each year that we talk to you you're not listening to the same yeah. person you were listening to last year and honestly that- it's kind of incredible that when we become our new selves that we even remember that we have a podcast mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's all a kind of spiritual thing, you know. Do your own research is all I'm saying. Um, (laughs) But anyway, um, as with New Year, New Me, we are going to continue our very fun theme of what happened. This is when we look at a series um, or anything, you know, similar to a series that we believe has gone from either being good to bad or from being bad to good. And we will try to dissect what happened to make that change in that series or discography filmography whatever something of that sort um so i'll go first and i'm going to recommend what happened to radiohead so i am declaring that they went from bad to good although not really bad just 
the most like average rock band on the planet when they started to being perhaps the best rock band on the planet when they reached their peak. Um, so the two albums I'm recommending, two albums are Pablo Honey from, I think, 1993, um, and then OK Computer from 1997. Uh, these are their first, their first album, skipping the second, going to the third. So this is within the span of, what, like five years? Um, and the transformation, I think, is pretty unbelievable, especially when you skip the middle step. It's, it's pretty crazy, and um, that's what we will talk about next time. And then I will recommend something that I think went from good to bad, and I'm going to ask what happened to the Godfather series. And specifically, I'm going to recommend Godfather 1, just Godfather, <laughs> and Godfather Part 3. I, I, I don't know if we'll change the way we talk about this when we get to the episode, but I'll make sure to watch the trilogy entirely because I, I feel like I probably should do that anyway. Um, yeah, although I guess then it becomes a little different because it's then... From good to better to bad. <laughs> right, sure. <laughs> but, okay, that, that works too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, and that pretty much does it for this uh, Honda Days uh, Audi... I don't fuck... I don't know. <laughs> Audi whatever. Um, I hope you all got your cars. Yes. 0% financing. We, you heard it here first. Yeah. And probably during the commercial break while you were watching Christmas Story. <laughs> <laughs> which you will not stop watching if you get away from the tv for one second when a christmas story is on you know who's coming for you um yeah thanks as always for uh for listening and um as i say every time we are on Castbox and youtube so if you're listening to us on youtube uh, we are on Castbox as get wrecked you can download Castbox, the Castbox app and you can listen to us on the go um and if you are listening on CastBox, we actually stream these episodes live to YouTube um, every time we do them on the channel Casting404. You can hop in the live chat, and if you're one of the lucky lottery-winning few, uh, we will um, maybe give you a shout-out. Yeah, we actually, before the episode, we pull names out of a hat, and if your name gets pulled, then we read your comments. And unfortunately, no one's name got pulled in the last few episodes. Well, well, you see, the hat is full of every possible combination of letters imaginable. So, uh, right, you need a stroke. Yeah. Of, you need, it's it's a it's a stroke of God. Yeah, it's just complete hex code all the way down, mm-hmm. and you just have to get lucky. Yeah. Um. So you know, have fun with that. Um. And uh, yeah, that the uh, I try to get these episodes up on Castbox whenever I can. I hopefully I don't even know if I got the last one up recently but anyway um but if you are listening on youtube i highly recommend checking us out on Castbox too uh taking us on the go and that's all that i have to say uh for this holiday season yeah the only other thing i would say is happy holidays everyone we hope that you have a great holiday season whatever that entails for you and of course uh a great new year as well we'll be back in a few weeks to talk through our new year new me rec uh, but we will not you will not hear from us before then so Thanks again for listening. As always, it's been a great year for our podcast, and we hope that you enjoy and come back next time. Yeah, it's been a great year this year. Next year, it's going to be our worst, so get ready. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, next year, 
the new year new me is going to be on our podcast when we went from <laughs> average to worst <laughs> what happened to get wrecked that's our 2023 episode yeah we'll anyway. have a we'll have a really uh like um clickbait thumbnail on that one too we got to get on the clickbait thumbnails that's the yeah, one that's thing we've true. really been missing yeah, yeah that's true the, the, yeah. yeah the faces with the circles and mm-hmm. the arrows and the yeah definitely does cast box allow for clickbait thumbnails um I think they give me a small square, so if I can find okay. a way, uh, if I can find a way, I'll, I'll, okay. definitely, I'll definitely give it a shot. Yeah, just anyway. your face really blown up. <laughs> of course, of course. Small square. Yeah, just mine, because yeah. this is my show, okay? Yeah. Uh, no, but seriously, thank you, everybody. We really appreciate it, and uh, we will see you next time. And those were our thoughts. Those were our recommendations.